actually trying to have a pan-national movement to institutionalize separatism and division within national borders all over the world. The House bill that's been put forward is Obamacare light. It won't work. And relief is what we are determined to give them. I want every American to know that action on Obamacare is an urgent necessity. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. The Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, TGIF. Happy Friday, everybody. As we get into the weekend, pleasure to have you along for the ride on the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Uh, we end up, we wrap up the week uh, here on, there is always a lot of news, but a few things I want to make sure I get to before the weekend, and then, you know, Sunday's show, uh, the Neil A. Caruso show on neilacaruso.com is going to be very detailed in terms of healthcare. We have a healthcare policy expert that we had on the podcast yesterday. Whole join for a segment, we'll also really get into everything in terms of the intelligence community and leaks that we have deciphered this entire week and it's just so much i don't even know how i'm going to do it in a 15 minute monologue but we're going to attempt to do that for you on sunday and lay it out for you on the screen plus we have a story about a uh, young entrepreneur that will be on sunday's show but let's jump into what's going on today uh today a lot of the news this evening or late this afternoon is about jeff sessions the attorney general uh firing well, this is what they call it, and and frankly, I had to look this up to see that there wasn't anything unusual because this is normal practice, and I'll explain to you um, because this is just what happens in terms of the law. Um, but what's the alert that comes out today? Jeff Sessions fires the remainder U.S. attorneys that worked under the Obama administration. Well, that's really not true. So what happens um, is that— Every administration that comes in, there are certain federal positions, namely prosecutors, um, uh, district attorneys. They, by not by law, but by tradition, send in their letter of resignation, and that is just typical. They do that from one administration to the next, and then it is up to the new president and the new Justice Department to decide whether or not they will accept the letters of resignation. Well, obviously, the Trump administration, which is dealing with a plethora of leaks, did accept those resignations. So um, the remainder U.S. attorneys that handed over their letter of resignation, Jeff Sessions said, thank you very much. Your service is no longer needed. And that should have, honestly, I wish that happened on January 20th uh, because they're now, the U.S. attorneys, that's easy to deal with, and that's the court, and that that's very important because, obviously, President Trump has a very ambitious agenda, wants to pass it through, and if he has attorneys working against him that are in the court system, you're going to have a bit of an issue. 
Um, and, you know, President Trump also has to know uh, he's going to appoint U.S. attorneys. He is going to appoint um, judges in the lower courts as well, which arguably is more important than the Supreme Court because the lower courts, for the most part, deal with all the cases. The Supreme Court gets, you know, accepts very little uh, case load, and they hear very little cases, although they are obviously of uh, paramount importance. And obviously we're, we are awaiting Neil Gorsuch to be confirmed uh, by the Senate, which we will expect, and hopefully by April he is, um, he is confirmed. Um, so the firing of U.S. attorneys is wrong. That's really not a, uh, a correct explanation of it. You are fake news. Um, so be that as you may. Um, the thing that concerns me, and we talked all about intelligence this week, and I've gone on my rants and, and you know, so to say, and I've been very um, adamant about and very upset about the way intelligence is being politicized in this country, that everything is being politicized. What really is the core of this issue, and I have said this way back when President Trump first announced his presidency, believe it or not, and nothing has changed. Trump's agenda hasn't changed. Trump's um, – the the way that they've treated Trump hasn't changed, which is probably one reason why he won. When Trump ran for office, the establishment got scared. Well, first they thought it was a joke, but then – they got scared, and the reason why is because he ran against everything the establishment is for. He said that we are going to drain the swamp. We are going to get rid of corruptness. We're going to get rid of crony politics, which is what uh, is wrong with this country, that the American people are taken into account. It's the special interests. It is the big banks. It is you know uh, big business that— runs everything in this country, and President Trump has been on the other side of it as a businessman. But what you're dealing with here are professional bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., and professional um, politicians that are not going anywhere because incumbency rates are over 90%, and they don't get voted out, and there are no term limits. President Trump said we're going to put term limits on. There are some conservatives that are for that, but then there are some that say, hey, I don't want to be out of here. I like my, my cushiony job. But this is the problem, is that they are working against President Trump. Like I've said all week, they are doing everything in their power to bring him down, and they will continue to put up a fight, and they will continue to fight him on every battle. Now, politically, I don't think this is smart because the Democrats— have been voted out. Since Obama took office in 2009, over 700 state legislature seats have been ousted and replaced by Republicans. There are 13 Democratic senators up for re-election this year that are now presiding over a presidential red state that voted for President Trump. Trump changed the electoral map, and the Republicans are now the party of the working class. And so Democrats, by not doing anything, which is what we've had for the last 8 to, you know, 12 years, that the Congress doesn't do anything, that these politicians don't get anything done, there's this massive gridlock in Washington. Well, because of this, you now have a president who wants action, and 
the American people who want action, and you're being held back by these swampy politicians. It's really madness. And they, they certainly don't want to get anything done, and they want President Trump to, to fail, and thus our country to fail. Because if he succeeds in his agenda, it will threaten their jobs. Their jobs will not be safe. You will get more outsiders in and people who have expertise in other fields, which wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, let me give you an analogy. There is a major difference between professional teachers and professors and adjunct professors. The best professors that I've had have been adjuncts because they are working and have worked in the field and they understand the field that they're teaching and understand it from a practical sense. The professional professors teach from a theoretical sense and they're by the book. And well, and how does that make you feel? And the book says this, but in practice, it's not, it's not how it's carried out. So in politics, it's the same thing. You have career politicians who are in there that don't want change, that want to keep their job and their hold on the American people, and they want things to go the way that they've always gone. And then you have an outsider like President Trump who says, no, it doesn't work. There are jobs that have left. The healthcare system is terrible. Uh, premiums and deductibles are sky high. And you can't even use your insurance. And the list goes on and on. You can't, you know, you have open borders that is leading to um, more terrorist threats and concerns. They're walking right in. And we've seen that the massive drug flow, the drug cartels, the sex trafficking. And then in terms of terrorism, well, there are over a thousand that are currently being investigated by the FBI that have already come in here. And you've seen attacks in Brussels and Berlin and in Nice. And it's all as a result of open borders. And they don't want President Trump to succeed. And, you know, on the borders note there, um, Bill Clinton, okay, what, which I really don't get why he's out there. I don't understand why the Clintons just can't go into the sunset. <laughs> They just won't go away. Well, here's Bill Clinton. First of all, he sounds really sickly. That's number one. And his wife looks sickly, but he sounds sickly. Listen to the former President Bill Clinton, and he talks about nationalism. And apparently, we're all bad people for wanting to protect our country. Listen to this nonsense. People who claim to want the nation state are actually trying to have a pan-national movement to institutionalize separatism and division within national borders all over the world. Somehow or another, we have to find a way to bring simple, personal decency and trust back to our politics. We're going to live in an us and them world or a world that we make together. Uh, is it going to be one set of rules for us and another set for everybody else? Are we going to find a way to live through the same rules? If you got that, in every age and time, eventually, the challenges we face can be resolved in a way that keeps us going forward instead of taking it to the edge of our own destruction. Oh, 
God. The edge of our destruction. I mean, cue the dramatic music and let's, I mean, let's have a hug in. Seriously. I mean, this is his first public appearance, by the way, since the November election. And he goes and says that people who claim the nation state, meaning, you know, referring to nationalism, referring to President Trump, are actually trying to have a pan-national movement to institutionalize separatism and division within our borders all over the world. So let me get this straight because this is what – let me cut through the, the, uh, the flowery, uh, flowery rhetoric that uh, he has in common with Barack Obama here. Let me just cut through the fat for you. What he's basically saying is that Americans and that Europeans, because remember Brexit, people voted for the enforcement of immigration laws and to close their borders and open borders in the EU that has led to these terrorist attacks because there is no visa checkpoints or anything of that matter. So what he's saying is people who want to protect their nation's borders and protect their country, he's basically calling them racist and xenophobic. That's what he's saying here, okay? I mean, are you just going to use the same nonsense that didn't work throughout the entire election? Your wife's done politically. You are done politically. You sound horrible and look sick. You should probably go to a hospital just based on how he's looking. I'm not a medical professional, but if you actually saw the video and heard and you heard him, it does not sound good. Maybe he should just kind of go on a ranch like George W. Bush and stay out of politics and stop criticizing the administration and undermining our country by doing so. I mean, do you love the country or not? You know, um... I just cannot take this man seriously, and anyone that claims that people who just want to protect their nation are racist and xenophobic is a very dangerous generalization. It is, you know, they're supposed to be the tolerant people, and they're supposed to be the ones, the Democrats for that matter, and the liberals. They're supposed to be tolerant individuals. They are supposed to basically say that— um, we are all generally good. I mean, isn't that kind of what their line is? Whether you think that's a line of crap or just their their party uh, line of being inclusive and tolerant of people's beliefs. But no, they just call you xenophobic if you want to protect your nation. It's disgusting, okay? There is – when you have drugs coming in, when you have and, – and you have – a uh, massive heroin crisis and an opioid ep epidemic that we've talked about. And you have a, a rise of terrorism and Islamic terrorism, extremism that wants to kill Americans. And they've said this in interviews and they've published videos that they want to kill Americans. And we are saying, well, anyone that wants borders is a bad person. Well, then don't lock your door at night. Then don't put an alarm on and don't live in Chappaqua, Mr. Clinton. It's just, honestly, it's just insanity. This was, by the way, at a keynote address somewhere. Uh, 
for the uh, late Israeli prime minister, uh, minister apparently. Um, meanwhile, just another accusation, and uh, and this, I mean, this is slander, really. Uh, Maxine Waters, a Democrat of California, and all these Democrats from California between Pelosi and Maxine Waters are very, very far left. I'm trying to be nice on this Friday. They're very far left. Um, and Maxine Waters goes on MSNBC and says that – and brings up the unsubstantiated dossier that is false that we've learned is false that surfaced last month. And no, no publication. Now, they've all tried to smear Trump. The New York Times is all very well documented. And they would not even publish this report. BuzzFeed did, which is not a news source. And anyone that thinks it is is wrong. Okay? BuzzFeed is not a news source. It's a joke. It's a blog. And, well, this is what Maxine Waters astonishingly has to say. And anyone that believes this, I mean, this is the problem is that people actually look up to these politicians and believe them. This is what she had to say. MSNBC earlier. Representative Adam Schiff, a Democrat on the House panel investigating Donald Trump's ties to Russia, says uh, he's seeking testimony of a former British spy who wrote an unsubstantiated dossier of alleged collusion between Donald Trump and Russia. Uh, do you believe anything about that dossier? Oh, I think it should be uh, taken a look at. I think they should really read it, understand it, analyze it, and determine what's fact, what may not be fact. We already know that the part about uh, the coverage that they have on him uh, with sex actions uh, is supposed to be true. Uh, they have said that that's absolutely true. Some other things they kind of allude to. Yes, I think he should go into that dossier and see what's there. You say you know you think them to be true. Um, how are we all going to find out what is true and what isn't true? I mean, does it help that you think so? Because unless you have information that we don't have, that's an allegation. Yeah, but, but, but you understand that I am saying the investigations must be done. The drilling down must be done. We must get to the facts of what it has been about. Uh, I don't think you can do the impeachment just because I think or others think, but I think that if we do the investigations, that we will find the connections, and I do think uh, that impeachment will be necessary. I mean, they're calling for impeachment. He's had 50 days. They won't give him a chance. This person called for impeachment in the first week of his presidency. Okay? And this is deep-rooted. And you have James Comey, the FBI director, saying, well, you're stuck with me for another six and a half years. Ha, ha, ha. And you have these politicians who are laughing their ass off. And they're making these accusations. I'm not even going to say what was in that dossier because it's just false. And they're still trying to come up with crap about Russia and Trump. And frankly, they can't get anything on him. And if they did get anything on him, we would know about it already. Because believe me, they've tried. And what we know and we're going to decipher on Sunday's program in detail is that the FBI uh, wiretapped or somehow surveilled Trump Tower because it was caught the uh, Gen Lieutenant General Michael Flynn – conversation with the Russian ambassador was caught in a um, in a wiretapping or some sort of surveillance uh, program on the Russian ambassador. And Lieutenant General Michael Flynn was just doing his job, but then this becomes a scandal. And because he lied about his communications with the vice president, 
he then has to go and Trump fires him because of that. But he did nothing wrong. And see, you see the very coordinated campaign here to try to impeach President Trump. It's just not going to work. And they've been trying to do this for over two years. They call them every name in the book. They call Republicans every name in the book. And by extension, by calling Trump every name, uh, racist, sexist, homophobic, all this crap, by saying that, they're by extension doing that to Trump supporters or doing that to people who maybe agree with some part of his message, whether it be economic policy or whether it be national security, immigration, etc., health care, which we're going to talk, to, talk about in a moment. And they alienate all these blue-collar workers who vote all the Democrats out. You see the irony? They do it to themselves, and then they ignore the blue-collar workers. It's all—it's it, really what they're doing is so politically stupid, and maybe I shouldn't talk about it because they'll never get reelected the way, the way that they're operating, by just obstructing and by refusing— uh, to do any work, and Republicans are actually trying to get work done. Um, but this is what politics has come to. It's come to an entire smear campaign, and it's come about how can I advance my personal career over the American people who are they, they are elected to serve. There's massive irony, there's massive phony outrage, and there is a lack of of integrity in Washington. And it's existed forever, but luckily President Trump is there to to really show this to the forefront because people are paying attention to politics that never paid attention to politics up until this point. But also, one last note on all of these investigations, because we got a ton of investigations, okay? There are some things that are just so meaningless. Well, the freaking God! <laughs> They are, okay? And we need to focus the investigation because when you create all of these investigations, there's no focus and nothing gets done. The thing I am concerned with most is the leaking of intelligence, and that should be the main story. And that's what President Trump has said is the main story. And frankly... With the way that intelligence has been politicized and leaking, that has been a major problem since, oh, well, maybe through the Obama administration, but let's say as late as June, July, when Comey started becoming a political figure instead of the FBI director. And he should have never even came out, even though he basically led an indictment of Hillary. Obviously, he didn't recommend indictment charges, and that was around the same time that Loretta Lynch met with Bill Clinton on the tarmac. You see how this is all connected? But because it's been politicized, because every cop shooting becomes politicized when, before even looking at the facts, and all of these investigations get played out in the public realm, we are in this position. We need to investigate leaks, and we need to keep... I mean, the CIA, CIA does not even know how to control its own house. That is a problem. And we need them to spy on certain terrorists. Not us, but not terrorists. Okay? And we need them to do their job without public scrutiny. We do. Um, at the same time, we got to make sure they're not abusing their powers. But I don't want that being leaked. There needs to be a better way for 
insiders, for whistleblowers to go up the chain of command to get things changed. But everything is caught up in a mess, a bureaucratic mess that is the swamp of Washington, D.C. And they don't want change and they don't want President Trump to actually succeed. But he's doing it anyway. And he's winning anyway. Now, he gives his weekly address. He records that. Uh, I guess on uh, he recorded that on Thursday and it was put out uh, this morning at 11 o'clock. Uh, Eastern time, that is. Um, President Trump talked about health care, and we went into that deep in yesterday's podcast. Uh, as you know, I'm not fond of this health care bill. I don't think it's conservative enough. It's going to raise prices. But he did um, discuss a uh, plan for, uh, for the health care bill, being a three-point plan. Here's the president in his weekly address. On my 50th day in office... I want to talk about an issue of paramount importance to families across our nation, health care. Seven years ago this month, Obamacare was signed into law over the profound objections of American people. Our citizens were told they'd have to pass Obamacare to find out what it was and how bad it was. Now we know that the hundreds of pages were full of broken promises, Americans were promised that Obamacare would bring premiums down $2,500 for a typical family. Instead, they've gone up by more than $4,000. Americans were promised that Obamacare would increase competition and provide them with more choices. Instead, the number of plans to choose from has plummeted, and I mean plummeted. This year, Americans in nearly one-third of all counties have only one insurer to choose from on the exchanges, or, in effect, no real choice at all. Americans were promised that if they liked their health insurance and their doctors, they could keep them. Instead, millions of Americans lost the insurance and lost the doctor that they liked and were thrust into a cold new reality of higher costs and less coverage. Through seven long years of botched rollouts, soaring costs, cancel plans, and bureaucratic mandates, Americans have called out for relief. And relief is what we are determined to give them. I want every American to know that action on Obamacare is an urgent necessity. The law is collapsing around us, and if we do not act to save Americans from this wreckage, it will take our health care system all the way down with it. If we do nothing, millions more innocent Americans will be hurt and badly hurt. That's why we must repeal and replace Obamacare. House Republicans have put forward a plan that gets rid of this terrible law and replaces it with reforms that empower states and consumers. You will have the choice and the freedom to make the decisions that are right for your family. The House plan follows the guidelines I laid out in my recent address to Congress, expanding choice, lowering costs, and providing health care access for all. This plan is part of a three-pronged reform process. In concert with the plan in front of Congress, I have directed Dr. Tom Price our Secretary of Health and Human Services, to use his authority 
to reduce regulations that are driving up costs of care. We're also working on reforms that lower the costs of care, like allowing Americans to purchase health insurance across state lines. You've heard me say that many, many times during the debates. I encourage Democrats to work with us to improve the health care system for the American people. Also, we will be driving down the costs. We will deliver relief to American workers, families, and small businesses who right now are being crushed by Obamacare by increasing freedom, choice, and opportunity for the American people. Thank you very much. So, and thank you, Mr. President, there um, in his weekly address. Um, he's calling for both parties to work together. I, it seems like, and I'm, I'm feeling a little better today than I did earlier in the week um, because we're finding out more information. But I still did not like the way this was rolled out. And it's not Trump's fault. It's Congress's fault because they've had seven years to put together a plan I mean, to not have a consensus plan between Republicans after seven years of talking about repealing or replacing Obamacare, there are a bunch of idiots for doing that, okay? Um, you could have had—now, you have the Freedom Caucus speaking out about this plan is not good, it's not conservative enough. I agree with them. Jim Jordan you're hearing from. And then, you know, you're getting uh, Paul Ryan saying— um, this is our closest chance to uh, repealing and replacing Obamacare, and we need to do this for the American people. Um, this is not a great—now, I understand the logistics, and that being that this is a reconciliation plan that would only need 50 votes in the Senate, and if they did it any other way, they wouldn't even get this process. Through. It would not, they would never go to a vote in the Senate um, because of the Democrats would filibuster— so you need a reconciliation bill first, and then you'll have two more, uh, two or three more phases. But they could have communicated this much better. And again, not really on the president, although now he's, you know, it becomes his problem. But he's, it's fascinating because he is directly involved in this plan, and he is the prime negotiator here. And so what President Trump is doing is he's bringing both, you know, the party together and saying, listen, guys, okay, we need to deliver. We need to bring down costs. We need to uh, enable free market um, forces, and we need to implement health care savings accounts, all part of the Trump plan. But this should have been done a long time ago, and frankly, I would have if I were President Trump, and I don't know if he could technically do this, but— what if you bring together the leaders of the or the Republicans and you bring together the Freedom Caucus and you close the door and say nothing gets leaked out of here and we break it down and we come up with a consensus plan and we don't open the door until it is met? What if you did that and say, listen, this plan, all right, so this is how we have to do is reconciliation. Okay, can we add this in? No, we can't because Democrats will filibuster. Okay, so it's going to be a budget reconciliation. We're going to roll this out as a budget reconciliation. We're going to be very clear in how we're rolling it out. 
but they didn't do that. People made up their mind and said, hey, this is going to rise. This is going to bring costs up. You did not have the score from the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, so you had no idea how much it was going to cost. And you had some Republicans saying, I've seen the bill, some saying, I haven't. There was no consensus plan. And all the Republicans clearly are not behind this because you have Rand Paul very adamantly against this, Jim Jordan of the Freedom Caucus, and many others. Um, and there is now a bridge between the Speaker and uh, House Republicans and Senate Republicans, for that matter. And they should have rolled this out better, and they should have had a consensus plan over seven years. Uh, we're going to get into detail on the policy on Sunday. Let me leave you on a positive note. Excuse my voice crack there. Really, having a, my voice is not top-notch. I think it's this uh, change of weather that we're having here in New York. Uh, amazing. Uh, snow today. It was like 60 yesterday. Uh, but anyway, let me leave you on a positive note. Jobs are going up. We always talk about uh, big league jobs on this program. And um, big league. one of the uh, things that I keep track of is how many jobs created and saved since President Trump was elected on November 8th. And you've had manufacturers, technology companies, banks, and others saying, and car companies, a lot of from the auto industry, Toyota and Ford and GM say, okay, we're going to invest in America again. We're going to bring jobs back and create new ones for Americans in the U.S. And so you've had about, what is it now, $67.7 billion invested in the U.S., maybe higher than that now. I have the list somewhere uh, on my Facebook page, Big League Jobs. And, um, well, now you have some data to back up where things are going in terms of manufacturing and otherwise. Big League! Um, Non-farm payrolls increased by 235,000 in February, and the unemployment rate, 4.7%. Obviously, that's not the true unemployment number. Um, that doesn't include those who have dropped out and have uh, not been looking for jobs. That number is more in the 11.2% range, I believe, off the top of my head. Um, average hourly earnings actually increased by 2.8%, a healthy um, percentage to increase on an annualized basis. Um, construction led the way uh, in terms of industry, growing by 58,000, the most in almost a decade, while manufacturing also posted strong gains with 28,000 new jobs. Uh, economists surveyed by Reuters had expected the economy to add 190,000 jobs and the employment rate to tick down to 4.7%. Uh, that contrasts with the upwardly revised January numbers of 238,000. So you have an expected 190,000, and what do you get? 238,000 jobs um, in January, uh, which, uh, you know, uh, between Obama and Trump, um, and the unemployment rate 4.8%. In January, uh, so jobs have been on an uptick. Um, the unemployment rate is still not all that uh, great, uh, and not that uh, enamored with that. And obviously, that's going to take some time to bring that down because the real unemployment number, people who have left and have not come back, is much higher. And so that's really President Trump's challenge here. Uh, the total of employed Americans surged by four hundred forty-seven thousand to 152.5 million, the highest ever. 
Um, so a very good uh, jobs report out today in the stock market uh, reflected that. But, um, you know, it's going to be President Trump's challenge now is to follow through all those billions of dollars that have been promised to be invested in the U.S. by companies like Alibaba and GM, like I mentioned, Ford, Carrier. Um, we have to see those come into fruition. It seems like Samsung is going to put uh, is going to invest and create a lot of jobs in the country as well. That was a Wall Street Journal report that came out uh, yesterday. So if that continues and you have more confidence clearly in the market, um, things are going to get better for the economy. But it's going to be really uh, producing results for those blue-collar workers. You've seen uh, by cutting back on regulations, which is a big piece of this, um, the coal mining industry is already improving and doing better, and that has a lot to do with confidence, but um, they're also, you're seeing the numbers starting to come in. It's going to take a little while to get those numbers in, but really by cutting back on regulations and by allowing companies to have the capital to spend and invest in healthcare, a huge part of that, uh, cutting out the employer mandate, uh, which is very expensive and uh, not sustainable, you cut that out. Uh, that will allow businesses to invest more and, and hire people as well. So a uh, positive on the economy front. Uh, that'll do it for the Neil A. Christian Show podcast on this Friday. We will see you on Sunday's program. So Sunday's program, we have a lot to get to. We will talk about healthcare with our uh, healthcare policy experts. And uh, Dr. Robert Grayboys from George Mason University and Mercatus Center there. He will be on the program. Uh, we have a nice story about a young entrepreneur and uh, somebody who took the plunge last year and is very happy uh, that Trump is president. But it's apolitical. It's a story about uh, someone who has gone out on their own to uh, put their own money into it and created a business. And we'll uh, have that story for you as well and a lot more we're going to get into all this intelligence stuff and really lay it out for you the obama shadow government continues with the monologue last week and it's going to be part two here and how obama is still involved and in all the intelligence leaking that's coming out of washington it's truly a mess we'll see you sunday folks god bless you and god bless america the Neil A. Crusoe Show podcast is a production of Crusoe Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Crusoe on social media. And log on to neilacrusoe.com to sign up for Crusoe's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.